this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer. Uh, Diane Xavier is running the board, and I'm really excited about these next 20, 25 minutes because I'm going to share with you an interview with a dear friend of mine who I've known for many, many years. Uh, she was, uh, she and her husband Joel uh, own Victory Investment Strategies. They have been sponsors literally since day one. Uh, they are from Cleburne and they, they worship, uh, in Cleburne. And, uh, she's on our Summer Speaker Series Committee and has just done a whole lot, uh, in so many different ways to, to support and bless the, uh, the station. So she is here because recently she went on a pilgrimage to Vilnius, Lithuania. Uh, for a very specific purpose, and if you're not familiar with the significance of Vilnius, uh, she's going to tell you all about it. So, anyways, welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks for being here. Good to see you. Yes, Dave. I'm, first of all, I'm surprised you asked me to do this. <laughs> I, I'm really naive. I, I think I do these things, and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm, I'm very interested. When people go on pilgrimage, uh, I think it's... You know, yeah, you, yeah, you, you're blessed and the people you're with are blessed, yeah. but I think part of the blessing of a pilgrimage is to bless other people yes. who are not, who maybe yes. never will be able yes. to make this yes. pilgrimage. Yes. So at least they can vicariously yeah. go there through you, right? Yeah, you probably want to know why I even went. I started to tell you yeah. that earlier. So I was telling you, I was praying before the image, Monday, but April the Divine Mercy image, because we haven't, divine even, mercy. haven't even mentioned rich, that yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I was praying before the image, the Divine Mercy image. It was April, Monday, April the 4th. It's one of those things in Divine Mercy Hour. And the thought came to me, you know, this particular image here is an actual reproduction of the original Divine Mercy image. It's the real deal. Mm-hmm. And I knew that. And I'm like, I gasped audibly. And like, oh. So then the thought came to me. said, wonder what it would be like to pray in front of the actual mm-hmm. real deal. I'm like, yeah. oh, that would be nice. But then... The time to go is with Daniel De Silva, and I already missed that chance. Now, now explain who Daniel De Silva is. Daniel De Silva is the man from Fort Worth, believe it or not, who has been assigned by the Archbishop of Vilnius to reproduce and and um, promote the original Divine Mercy image. Okay. Now that's what the deal is. How does a brown guy from Fort Worth <laughs> get this task? Yeah. That, okay. I've interviewed him before. I know you. Yeah, I know he you. has a great you. devotion to Divine Mercy. Yes. yes. Okay. So then, um, so I'm walking out and then Father Leo Fisher, CFR, calls me. Well, he doesn't just call the chat. It's been three years since last time I talked to him and we're talking about stuff. Then he says to me, oh, I have this message on my phone. I, I kind of have to go. And I, he said, you know this person? I said, is it Daniel De Silva? He said, yes. And I said, do you just tell, I mean, just being silly. I said, just tell him that I am more important than him. And he has to wait until we're done talking. <laughs> you know, two hours later, Daniel De Silva calls me. And I said, did Father Leo tell you? He said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, this is just being sealed in my head, out my mouth. I said, yeah. Daniel, I have friends. High friends in low places like Mother Teresa. And he's like, and he said, you have high friends in high places like what's at the same time? said, St. Faustina. We said it at the same time. Yeah. He yeah. said, that's what I'm calling Elizabeth. Well, I call him to, I want to introduce you to my friend. I said, St. Faustina? And he said, yes. I'm like, oh, okay. So he's going on this pilgrimage in two weeks for Divine Mercy Sunday weekend in Vilnius. Yes. I don't, I don't really want to go. You know, and he said, well, you don't have to go now, but. At some point, you, Elizabeth Victory, needs to go. And I said, well, well, why? He said, you are the one who told me about divine mercy. All right. Oh. Do you remember that? 
Well, not specifically. Divine mercy in general, or yeah, about, okay. the whole the divine, whole the yeah. whole divine mercy. Yeah, I was yeah. the one who introduced him. So you lit a fire. This was like, an, I met him in 1997. Okay, and he was uh, I just started his Catholic funk band called Crispin. Crispin, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I needed a musician for my youth retreat at St. Patrick's. I taught CCD at St. Patrick's. And and so friends, a friend recommended this guy, you know. So that's how I contacted mm-hmm. him. That's how that's how our paths cross. Well, that was 1997. How long ago is that? Yeah, it's a long yeah. time. Okay, twenty five. Yeah, yeah, twenty five. Twenty five years. This 25 is twenty five years. years. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So then there's a question. He is his Catholic funk band was this brown guy down in the silver and. Five black guys with dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was their funk band. And I've got the Crispin T-shirt. I just oh, yeah. This year, like with COVID and all this, it's like connect the dots. God is playing connect the dots with all of us. Yeah. So anyway, so I pondered all this, and we just did another consecration to Mary, the Marian consecration, Father Gately's on yeah. March twenty fifth, mm-hmm. and that has stirred all kinds of memories. Father Gately's. It's like all this stuff is coming together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the stuff that happened in the past, God is showing us how all this was all connected. So I'm saying, hmm. And I realized I needed to go. I thought I yeah. should go now. Okay. So I buy my ticket, and then the next day I'm looking at the weather. It's 43 degrees, rains four out of six days, and that is cold for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, but, can I can I interrupt sure. you for a second? Because sure. some people may be thinking still, yeah. what? Well, why Vilnius? Because I, you know, I thought yeah. Divine Mercy was from Poland. Yes. And Saint Faustina. Well, right. What's the significance of Vilnius? Why would you go there? Because that's Vilnius was part of Poland at the time. Yeah. And Saint Faust, Sister Faustina was sent from. Krakow to Vilnius. It was in Vilnius. She only had one apparition in um, that was not in Vilnius. Yeah. So all the other times Jesus appeared to her, she was located in Vilnius, which is my modern day Lithuania. Yeah. No longer Poland. No. Yeah. But back in that time in the 1930s, I, and I've got that handout, uh, Dave. In the 1930s, anyway, she was living in the convent there in Vilnius, and. Um, and Jesus told her in the night, I think on the 20th, it was the 22nd of, of, of February. It's an important date. It's George Washington's birthday, we found out. <laughs> that he told her to have his image painted. Yeah. And um, so, remember, it was Poland at the time. Mm-hmm. Poland had occupied Belarus and Vilnius and part of Lithuania was yeah. Poland. Yeah. Okay. And then... Um, she thought this nun would do it, and then the nun didn't want to do it. Then after Jesus told the nun lacked the humility to do it. Okay. Okay. This is all the stuff we just learned going yeah, there. Okay. Yeah. And so her priest, Father Michael Shaposhko, her personal confessor. Yeah. There was this architect artist living downstairs in, in this, where he lived. He lived upstairs. The artist lived downstairs. Yeah. And he talked him into doing it. Okay. Okay. So the artist studio is today a chapel. Okay. So anyway, so the artist did, and you know, every time, whenever Sister Faustina would walk over there, and I don't know how often, but of course, Michael Shaposhko, Father Michael's always with them, and and she would give all these instructions how to do Jesus's arm. This hand is very important. Yeah. The hand doesn't is here. Doesn't go above his shoulder. Right. It's not up here. It's yeah. here. And there are thirteen. Sketches of where the arm was underneath all this before they finally agreed on where that arm would be. Okay. So all this was still Poland, right? 
But then the war came in the 40s. This was in the 30s when this happened. Faustina died in 38. The war started in the 40s. Borders moved around. And the, the image was actually hidden, stolen, hidden oh, again. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, hidden, stolen, hidden again. And hung in different churches. And then the communists came. And so the communists were, it was now Soviet Lithuania. And they were ransacking the churches and taking stuff out. Uh, I mean, it's amazing to see these churches yeah, that were, yeah. they're no longer, you know, they're shells and storage buildings and some of them music, sometimes music hall, but a lot of them just for storage buildings. So that was the deal. Was with the, 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 uh, the people knew they had something special and they would hide it and they'd hang it here and hang it mm-hmm. there and secret it here and there. So it was, no, 1989 was the fall of the wall, the Berlin Wall, right? Mm-hmm. Communism literally lifted in the 90s for these countries. And so it's like in the last 2000, you know, they they, they kind of took it from the Polish church and brought it yeah. to this shrine. So it's moved around a lot. Yes. How, can I ask you, how how big is the image? Uh, life size. Oh, oh, life. Is it really? It's life size. Oh, wow. It's life size. I know, like the the Guadalupe image was it's a lot life. bigger than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, and like the Mona Lisa is really small. Yes. You know, uh, and but the, so it's life it's size. It's life size. Oh, I, I had no idea. To that. me, that it's the it's the like it's Guadalupe. Yeah. And because yeah. Guadalupe is God's pink palette, so right, to speak. Right. Divine mercy image because. It lines up with the shroud. Okay. The original image, the eyes, nose, and the mouth. You put that together, the shoulders and the hips line yeah, up. Yeah. They connect. Mm-hmm. So it's life size. And uh, if you see images of the shrine, I think I've sent some out. Maybe I'll, I'll send it to you. But yeah. it is life size. Okay. okay. And so anyway, they somebody got it and secreted it out of the Polish church where they weren't really happy with it. Anyway, so it's in this other shrine. It's in a shrine not too far. And right now today, the shrine backs up to the presidential palace. Okay. The president of Lithuania, the palace, Vilnius is the capital. The palace backs up to where the shrine is. Okay. And the president has been known to go over there and pray. Oh, is it a Catholic country? It is today. They're very Catholic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it is today. But they have evangelical Protestants and there too. Okay. They're the ones that saw Daniel and hired him. That's how we got connected. Anyway, let's go back to Vilnius. So, um, that's what the deal is. Today, where she lived, the house where she lived, we went to the house. They we saw the each room had like a fireplace, like a where she burnt the first mm-hmm. manuscript. Yeah, yeah. And then he told her to write it again. Oh, he she burnt the whole thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, really? People weren't really paying attention. I don't know what the deal is. There's there's so much to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, where she burnt the first uh, manuscript anyway. That house where they lived is now a gift shop. And that's where I got this image here of our Mother of Mercy. Yeah, it okay, looks like an icon. It is an icon. It's an icon. Okay, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But you want to know about why Vilnius. So the people in Vilnius didn't want to send theirs to Krakow when they found it. They're like, this is ours. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I suspect the people in Krakow knew about it. Yeah. And uh, they had one made to the best that they could. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. And so here we are in the 2022, you know. So maybe about maybe about 10 years ago, Daniel started on on this project, or, or less. Yeah, yeah. 
And so there's a lot of different images and a lot of different looks. Uh, in fact, you asked me to send pictures of, right. oh, well, you asked me to tell, tell you yeah. about the ones that we have. Yes. And I found three in our office and every one of them is different. And the one that you brought is different from the three that I have. So if you go, the, the, what, why, why the difference and does it matter? Okay. I don't know if it matters to God. Yeah. Okay. But I'll tell you what it is. The difference is, first of all, um, Jesus is looking down from the cross. He's looking down. These are the, he's looking straight at you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, I've had one like this, one like yours, okay, for a long time, because that's what we had. Mm-hmm. Okay? The one that most people consider. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's what we had. Okay. And I'm happy for that. But now that I've seen this one, I'm replacing yeah. the ones. He's looking down from the cross. His hand is priest blessing did not go above his shoulder the mm-hmm. hand okay yeah. uh the look at the, the the light coming from you could see there's a light reflecting the 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 rays of water blood and water yes. you see it's reflected in his sleeve on uh-huh. the you see there yes that I just do. A, it's like the it's just amazing the the artist yeah, right, yeah, you right. see how it reflects, uh, detail yeah, yeah how it reflects on his sleeve right and right. Um, and he's wearing a, a tie, not a sash. This is a sash. Okay. This is what a priest wears. The, the kind of a ropey. What I don't know the name. I'm sorry. Where you know where he's around his waist, and this is like a sash. And this is more. He's more square shouldered. This is a smaller shoulder version. This one was apparently fashioned off a, a picture of a lady of Lourdes. Okay. This is okay. this is what the you know. But Ta- taken what, from what our lady looked like? The, the body. Uh, okay. The body, yeah, the body shape. I see. Body okay. shape. Okay. And yeah, now, now, for those that are just listening, they don't see what you're pointing to. You're right. talking about the, the one that most people think of yes. Yes. as the divine mercy, not the one that you brought back. Right. Okay. And and they're very particular not to put the Jesus I trust in you on the image itself. It's always below. Okay. See, there's this written below. I mean, artistically, it's pretty efficient to have it on there. I'm not going to argue about that. But... um the this has a mystical use in front of it. This is it's like Guadalupe, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. being in Guadalupe. Yeah. A, there's a mystical presence, yeah, magnetism that draws you to it. You know, yeah, yeah. And so, what was it? Busy? Uh, does it have the kind of the feel of a tourist attraction? Were there people from all around the world there, or well, or, you know, or how was it there? I, it was busy in the shrine churches. Self is not very large um, compared to the bigger churches. Okay, but um, there's a massacre every hour, different oh, really? languages. Oh wow! Okay, there's adoration all night. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, it is busy people coming and going, but. I don't, they speak pretty, their English is quite a few people speak English. But I don't know how many English speaking people were there mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe Polish or German yeah. or, uh, you know, Italian. Right, right. Have you, have you read the, the diary of St. Not Faustina? all of it. It's, I mean, it's, it's long. It's no, like yeah, parts of it. Or something. Parts of it. Well, yeah. what, what do, what, I mean, obviously it's about yeah. mercy. Yeah. Uh, the, the parts that you've read, yeah. what, what is the message? The message is, the one that sticks with me, and that's yeah. what I'm talking about, is that Jesus said that when this devotion is presented to the world, it will be his time of greatest mercy available to humanity. Okay. And personally, I am come to realize that Medjugorje 
is part of the fulfillment of that promise. Okay. Because this was presented to the world in 78 by Cardinal Wotiwa of Krakow, the, the devotion in 1978. Six months later, he became Pope John oh, Paul. Okay. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah, John Paul, okay. Yeah. And, but then in 81, he was shot in May, and in June, Our Lady came to Medjugorje in June of 81. Then the whole world started going to Medjugorje, and the Poles brought that devotion to Medjugorje, mm. okay? And Medjugorje has become the prayer center of the world, and they were teaching that divine... I was taught by a Polish priest walking through the vineyards of Medjugorje, the Divine Mercy Chaplain. Mm. Father Zygmunt, I've talked, yeah, okay? Yeah. He's the one that taught me about Maximilian Colby, Chester, all that stuff, okay? And the Divine Mercy Chaplain. And so they took it, the people who came from all across the world to Medjugorje, took it to all the ends of the earth, and the, 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 the devotion spread. Um. That's how the devotion spread. So from 38 to 78, those 40 years uh, before um, the future Pope John Paul II uh, would take an interest in this, was how well was it known around the world? Was it still little known or did, 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 did John Paul II popularize it? Yeah, because you remember the church had to approve it and he approved yeah. it. And there's some controversy, right? Well, the controversy was... I, mean, I, I get this from EWTN, that's my source. People said that she was not very well educated, her handwriting was not that good, and her mis- a lot of misspellings in her grammar, okay? And so they had to, to double-check that. Yeah, yeah. And she was told it would be forbidden for a while. Okay. But that was the time. What there was nothing I about the message that they didn't no, like? No, I don't it, think so. It was just the, the, the source. The message of mercy. Yeah, yeah, they, and Jesus said that if one soul repents at that moment of, of death, his ocean of mercy is available for that soul, no matter what sins they've committed. I, I, I like that very much. Yeah, yeah. I tell that at funerals, actually. Yeah. When I do a funeral rosary, yeah. I tell that. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, you, you've been on a lot of pilgrimages. I know you've been to Medjugorje yeah. many times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. This was never my idea. I never thought I'd grow up and go to Yugoslavia. This all happened very, very, very yeah. quickly, this I mean, this point. Yeah. So, how does this rank? Like, if let's say, uh, you know, a person may only go to one, one or two pilgrimages in their life. Would, do you think this needs to be high up there? Like, is this a, is this a, a must do, or is it better to just kind of hear an interview like this and get that information? I'm not here to promote anything. Yeah. Okay. Most importantly, they need to pray to know what God wants them to do, because you know, I I I think everyone needs to go to Medjugorje. Yeah. Okay. And if you can go to Vilnius, I think I highly recommend if you can go to Vilnius. Yeah. Because before the image is a beautiful, um, mystical, you know magnetic mm-hmm. experience with Jesus. Yeah. And probably no coincidence that the first canonized saint of this millennia was, was Faustina. St. Faustina yes. by John Paul II, yes. right? Yes. And he he wanted to do that, didn't yes. he? So th- this yes. this devotion meant a lot to him. It did. Uh, it, well, I wonder it, what he thought as a Pole himself about Lithuania uh, kind of taking the uh, the spot. Did he ever visit Lithuania? Do you know? He did. He okay. did. I, I forgot the year he went there. Uh, I think that's a 93. Okay. Because it was the year he came to, to Denver. Yeah. I think they said he went to Lithuania in September of 93. And yeah. they've got it, they've got stuff. He came for World Youth Day to Denver, right? Yes, in yeah. 93. But he went there, uh, I think in September of 93, if I, my memory serves. It's, it's written somewhere on the building. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. we've learned so much about the, the persecutions of the church during the communist time. And yeah. Archbishop Makilionis, and mm-hmm. they were, uh, Father Sh- Michael Shaposhko, he was celebrating Mass 
when someone came and said, the communists are ransacking your, your apartment. So they, they got him on an unleavened ground tunnel and sent him to the convent and they dressed him as a nun and they took him out of town. Yeah, yeah. But the communists, it, it didn't just happen easily. They went through a lot of persecution. Yeah. How many images did you bring back? Uh, none. Uh, oh, really? Because these are made here in Fort Worth. Oh, okay. Okay. I, th- I thought that you got those there. No, but, okay. th- this one here, I'm going to tell you the story of this icon over here, our Mother of Mercy. Yeah. It's the Gate of Dawn. Yeah. In the 1300s, this king or somebody captured, brought back this icon to Vilnius. And, um, and so it's, it's been revered since the 1300s. Yeah. And it's on this gate called the Gate of Dawn. It's, it's like by the the city wall gate in the 1300s. Okay. Well, in 19, maybe 20s. Okay. The people asked the bishop to name her Our Lady of Poland. Yeah. And he pondered and he said, we'll name her Our Mother of Mercy. Yeah. So within 10 years, Jesus of Mercy came. That's wow. what the important thing about wow. this icon. Wow. She's our Mother of Mercy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's an interesting, great tie-in there. All right, we have got to wrap this up. We are out of time. And uh, Elizabeth, thank you very much for sharing uh, this with us. If, if nothing else, I hope people uh, renew their uh, devotion. Under, under devotion of our of uh, uh, divine mercy See. and recite it. I know we recite it daily as a, I know, as a GRN. I know, I do that. And yeah, uh, also, GRN. you know, I, and I, I've... I've I've always been tempted to pick up the the diary and read it, but it's so big that I feel intimidated by it. But one of the, one of these years, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that because I well, hear you know, it's really great. You could read parts of it, you yeah. know, just right, right. Yeah, yeah there's the one quote that somebody told me about was the uh, the thermometer of love is suffering. Have you ever, you ever heard that? Uh, yeah, he, he said that the thermometer of love is suffering. Uh, I know about that. Yeah, you know about that one. Okay. Yeah, I know All right. Well, that. I could go on forever, but I'm going to cut it off. But thank you, Elizabeth Victory. Um, uh, again, she and her husband, Joel, have been longtime friends, supporters, sponsors. Uh, just have done so much to bless the station. So thank you for sitting down and telling us about well, this. Well, check out OriginalDivineMercy.com, Daniel DeSilva. It's a, it's a funny story. It's OriginalDivineMercy.com. Okay. It's a funny story that he has been the one chosen yeah. to do this. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be another interview. Because okay. I did interview him one time, and he probably yeah. told the story, but we got to He didn't go. tell the whole story, because uh, he's coming out in the book, and he doesn't want me to tell the last uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. Thanks, Elizabeth. This has been the uh, KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer. Diane Xavier is running the board. And if you have uh, interview ideas for the future, uh, Elizabeth didn't come to me with this idea for an interview. I, I came to her with it. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you, and we love talking about things that are local and Catholic. You can email me directly, Dave Palmer. Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. God bless you today. Thank you. All of us here at KTH 910 AM thank Sue Locks with EXP Realty for her support as a sponsor of the upcoming Summer Speaker Series event on July 21st at the Frontiers of Flight Museum in Dallas. The guest speaker that evening will be Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler, who will speak on Engaging in Battle, Empowering the Laity in 2022. For more information about Sue Locks with EXP Realty, you can visit CatholicRealtorDFW.com. That's CatholicRealtorDFW.com. Guadalupe Radio Network announces the launch of La Promesa Legacy Circle, formed to recognize and honor our dedicated donors who have made long-term commitments to the network through gifts from their estates. We invite you to join our family and allow us to be a part of your personal legacy. For more information on making a legacy gift for the benefit of the GRN and a guide to charitable estate planning, contact our friends at the Catholic Foundation at 972-661-9792 or info at catholicfoundation.com.
Hi, everybody. Welcome to the interview of the week here on KTH 910 AM. I'm Dave Palmer. Diane is running the board and have a very interesting uh, topic and guest for you today on the interview of the week. It's uh, really surrounding an event that's happening in a couple of weeks at St. Mark the Evangelist Church in Plano. It's called Spiritual Warfare Conference, What Every Catholic Family Should Know. And it is being sponsored and put on by Fullness of Truth. They've been putting uh, these kind of conference on it's on for a couple of decades now, and they really, really do it well. It's Friday, June 24th, and Saturday, June 25th. And I'll tell you more about the the cost. Uh, if you want to attend, visit fullnessoftruth.org, and you can find out more information. The speakers include Matthew Leonard, filmmaker, author, podcaster, also Kathleen Beckman, who is a diocesan deliverance team uh, leader and also an author. And uh, the third speaker is as uh, my guest on the program today, Adam Bly, who is a religious demonologist. And he's going to have a couple of talks, uh, both on Saturday, Doorways to the Demonic, Once Avoided, Now Celebrated, and uh, later that afternoon, Self-Help, Spiritual Warfare, What We Can and Cannot Do. Adam Bly, thanks for being on the program today. Oh, it's good to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. I'm sure, yeah, thank you. I'm sure you get this question all the time, but I'm going to lead off with it because I think it's on a lot of people's mind is, uh, what is a religious demonologist, and is this something that you were trained in, or can you give us a little background of, of that title? Sure. So by decree of my bishop, I'm a paratus, which is just a Latin word for expert in religious demonology and exorcism, and that was put in place um, because I was being asked to train priests in a number of dioceses and at national conferences, uh, primarily on exorcism ministry. So, you know, when you say religious demonologist, that's specifying that the person, person is studying that topic of, of exorcism and demonology from a religious perspective. It's not about the occult, not about liking demons, uh, or black magic, but it's in fact about exorcism, you know, understanding them more from a Thomistic perspective and then opposing them with the rights of the church. And when, when, when did this first start to be of interest to you? Um, I'm just wondering, as a vocational path, which clearly it is for you and something that you felt God was guiding you to, what, what, how, how did this interest come? Um, about 15 or 16 years ago, I was in graduate school doing brainwave research as part of, um, part of graduate school. And I was curious whether any of the paranormal craze that was just emerging at the time, you know, the paranormal TV shows that everybody's seen, they were just starting at that time. And I was curious whether any of this was a real spiritual experience or just an artifact of the brain, maybe mental illness, maybe people just getting themselves worked up. And so I kind of, uh, wanted to go out and interview these people for myself and, and get a sense of them because I had had some training in psychological diagnosis of mental illness. And that led to uh, bumping into some specialist clergy that were working in this area. And that led to meeting more people. And then I came across a possessed person on a house case and realized that that didn't look like hypnosis or mental illness or a brain problem. And so I started pursuing it more and was invited, you know, to go over to Rome and meet with some of the very experienced people like Father Amorth and others 
you know, and start learning from them. And it just kind of has snowballed from there for the last 15 years. You know, when the the average person, <clears throat> I think including myself, so I don't say this in any kind of judgmental way, but when the, the average person thinks of, you know, demonic activity or the kind of things that yeah, you, you do uh, in, in investigating and, and assisting priests, like you say, there's also there's almost like a, a flirtation or a fascination, maybe an intrigue. Is that dangerous for somebody to be intrigued by this kind of thing? And what should be our disposition when we hear about demonic activity? Well, your disposition should be a focus on God, a focus on Jesus and your relationship with God. But you can't allow the demonic to become the center of your spiritual life of, or of your spiritual interest. That's kind of making the demon into an idol or, or, you know, a little God that you're paying more attention to. So you certainly don't want to do that. I would say the only healthy part of learning about this for somebody who's not involved is to properly understand them, that they are creatures that Jesus created. He has them under control. They're on a leash. They can only do what he allows them to do, just like in the book of Job in the Bible. Um, you know, so they are a very limited creature. Um, and they have to seek permission from God for what they do. And as long as we avoid mortal sin, and particularly avoid violations of the first commandment, where we kind of would put a created spirit before God, we really don't need to be too anxious about them. And I would say just focus more on your own spiritual journey with God. Yeah. The the, the talk that you're giving Saturday morning, the 25th, at this Phonus of Truth conference has a very an intriguing title, Doorways to the Demonic, Once Avoided, Now Celebrated. Uh, I, I know you don't want to give everything away, but can you give a little uh, teaser, I guess you could say, or a little information about this? Well, what exactly do you mean by what's being celebrated that used to be avoided? Well, there's three things. The primary one right now in our culture is ghost hunting and paranormal investigating, which is essentially necromancy. Uh, scripturally, it's called necromancy, which is calling the dead in order to talk with them. And this is uh, described as something that's abhorrent to God and causes God to turn away from you. So it's, it's framed in a very serious way in the scriptures. And it's also a violation of the first commandment because you're essentially turning to a ghost or, you know, supposed ghosts, because usually these are demons uh, pretending to be ghosts, and you're turning to them for your comfort or seeking information or seeking power. So you're telling God, I don't trust you. I'm not going to wait on you. I'm not going to trust your scripture, but I want to hear about the afterlife from this spirit in this room through my recorder or whatever method you're using. And this is not preached on much, and it's celebrated on numerous television shows. And so for the kids, it's becoming normalized, but it's actually very dangerous. About a fifth to a quarter of all the cases we dealt with in my early years involved in this were paranormal investigators. So that's one. And then the other two um, would be looking into things that involve energy manipulation, kundalini yoga, Reiki practices, martial arts that involve manipulating energy. Those are a problem. And then the third one is Wicca or uh, black magic in general, but it's primarily Wicca right now. You mentioned some of the, the, the entertainment. There's a lot of pro programs. I, I have not seen any of these, but I hear that like there's a very, very popular Netflix series right now called Strange, Stranger Things, I think it's called, uh, mm -hmm. where, where there's some... I, I, I guess it's like some demonic creatures or this or that. It's all the rage, especially among young people. Are you familiar with this or are there any popular 
programs that has have hit your you know radar that you would say, hey, you know, people need to stay away from this, adults or kids. Well, the main thing, as I said, would be the the ghost hunting shows where they're showing kids how to interact with spirits, showing them exactly how to use these tools and techniques to go, you know, model what you see on the screen. And so you can go and kids then go in grandma's attic and start talking to ghosts and using recorders because it can be enacted in real life so easily. I think those are the most serious to avoid, particularly when the kids are younger and very impressionable. The show Stranger Things, I've seen a little bit of season one, but I don't remember. It was a long time ago. Uh, It's more of a scripted fictional show, I think, about, you know, kind of a trope of of government research on psychic kids and things like that. But I've not seen the whole show. But anything that kind of glorifies or um, frames evil and the demonic as being this out-of-control, overwhelming uh, scary thing that, that we have no recourse against, you know, that's a deception and that's kind of painting the devil as this creature that's superior to God that needs to be given reverence. And that's just not a Christian approach. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to so many people that, you know, that we watch what's going on in the culture with gender confusion and transgenderism and abortion, not only tolerated, but celebrated uh, and I, I can't tell you how many times people have said, oh, you know, this is demonic. This is the, the devil is loose in the world. It, w- would you agree with that? Is there an increase over the last 10, 15, 20 years as the, the culture has kind of devolved that there is more of an influence of the devil? Well, I think there's more of an influence uh, with the demonic because we are becoming a less religious culture in general. So if you look at the church history, usually you'll see a flurry of activity with exorcism and deliverance work as Christianity first entered a culture. And I think what we're seeing in our generation is to an extent that wave is rolling back. And so it's kind of a a missionary country in reverse where the young people, the middle-aged people um, don't go to church for for the bulk of people. And so they're no longer catechized. And so the deception of the demons is running more rampant now because there's more room for them to operate because we're becoming less Christian. I think the secondary effects of that are myriad um, that from a Christian perspective, you know, some things that people do now that are normalized or even celebrated as we talked about in an, in a traditional Christian culture wouldn't, you know, would not be encouraged. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think it's more about we're giving the demon more room to operate as we turn away from God. Okay. We're talking about a Fullness of Truth conference coming up in a couple of weeks. It's Friday, June 24th and Saturday, June 25th. It's called Spiritual Warfare, What Every Catholic Family Should Know. It's going to be at St. Mark the Evangelist Church in Plano on Alma Drive. Adam Bly is my guest. He is a religious uh, demonologist, as uh, we mentioned at the beginning, Matthew Leonard. Uh, will be a speaker, also Kathleen Beckman, some very uh, important and interesting topics that are going to be uh, discussed. Uh, I want to talk more specifically about the conference in a moment, but I do have one other general question, Adam, if I may. Uh, there's there's a video that is kind of circulating on YouTube, and my wife and I both got it on our email, where there it's an Italian, there's a priest who is conversing, you know, allegedly with a demon, and talking to him about the rosary. And the demon is admitting that the rosary 
uh, you know, destroys him and is very, very dangerous. You know, he hates the rosary and it's the best thing families can do. A, have you seen that? And, and secondly, do you, do you think something like this is legitimate, uh, this kind of video? I, it, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? I've not seen that, no, but I've, um, you know, it, I've seen similar, similar things or heard about similar things. And certainly, um, you know, I've been at hundreds and hundreds of solemn exorcisms and the demons have expressed a terror for Mary, you know, so many times it, it's, it's just become a normal thing to me. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if they're very upset about the rosary. Mm. I can't say whether that particular recording is real or staged. Um, it would be impossible to know for sure. But I can tell you that, you know, based on my experience over, over these years, they have a great fear, fear of Mary, so I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. What other advice would you give uh, the average family who is not privy to the kind of experiences you are with you know, direct c- contact and uh, being witness to these kind of exorcisms? What else should we know? Just you know, for families trying to raise kids and the, the typical you know, problems and influences, and uh, you know, what, what other advice do you have? Well, I would say just in a sense, you know, avoiding the idolatry of letting a person take the role of God in your life, whether it's a psychic medium, whether it's the practitioner of black magic or the person that has a superstitious solution to your problem that they're offering you, um, you know, the local New Age shop. All of these things are making idols and placing them in your life instead of God. So I would say as, a, as opposed to looking for the quick fix in the world, um, don't discount the the role of God and the presence of God in the scripture and the sacraments. Um, even though it may be old fashioned and, and seem like it's not as exciting, it is as exciting. You know, maybe research some of the lives of some of the saints and see how exciting it can be to get close to God um, because there are much more deeper and meaningful relationship possibilities with God than there are with the demonic for sure. And if you, you know, if you stick with the Ten Commandments and just seek God a little bit, a little bit each week, spend a little time with the Scripture, maybe a little time with the saint's life, um, you're going to see greater benefit than you are playing around, you know, with the occult and a lot of the secular culture. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when parents are, are not in a state of grace, let's say uh, a father falls into pornography and, you know, the things that go along with that or... Uh, other, other, you know, you, you know, grave sins or adultery or you know that kind of thing. Does that open up portals to homes? Does that create a danger not only for him or the mother but the whole family? Um, to an extent, it depends. It depends on whether the sin is going on in the home. You have to be careful though about getting too too worked up and scared about these ideas. The extraordinary demonic problems, meaning the kind of stuff you see in the movies where things are flying around or there's, you know, odd noises and, and that kind of thing. Those extraordinary problems usually come from black magic being practiced in the home or cursed objects being in the home. You know, the, the more I would say um, there's still mortal sins, but the more kind of common sins generally do not lead to that kind of extraordinary demonic problem. So, you know, they, there are important it's spiritual death to, to commit a mortal sin, uh, and you need to confess that and, and work with your priest to, to figure out how to stop that for sure. 
Um, but it's not necessarily going to lead to, you know, the kind of things that you see in the movies. It is going to lead to deeper sin. And the more you give in to temptation, the easier it is to give in to temptation. So you have to learn to stop that early in the process. So uh, it's a serious matter, but it's generally not an extraordinary matter. And what I, by the way, Dave, what I mean by extraordinary the ordinary activity of the demon is temptation. Mm-hmm. The, extraordinary, the extraordinary activity is like demonic infestation, demonic oppression, and demonic possession. So they're very different things. Yes, yeah, that, those, that distinction is very important, I know. Uh, you, the, you know, back in the, I guess it was the 70s, the, the Exorcist came out, and that was uh, very, very popular and spoken about. And then since then, there have been uh, many of them that have come out, those kind of movies. Are there any that, you, I guess, hey, first of all, do you recommend people seeing movies like that? And are there any that you would say, this is probably the most accurate to, to what you know, I have witnessed and what really happens? Well, they're, they're almost never accurate because they're written by screenwriters in Hollywood as opposed to people that have actually been at exorcisms. And so the writers in Hollywood, they're trying to sell a movie and they're trying to make it as exciting and scary as possible to amp things up, to shock the viewer. They're not interested in accuracy. That's not their goal. And so these these movies are not helpful um, and they're not accurate. Exorcisms aren't a five minute affair and then it's over. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, these are, these are multi-hour prayer sessions that are going on at least weekly for six months to two years on average before a person is free of all the demons in them. So it's a big, long process. The most accurate movie of what it looks like to become possessed is the exorcism of Emily Rose. But the exorcism at the end of the movie is, is like I said, is very inaccurate. Mm, okay, but that's, that's the most accurate. Uh, talk about the conference itself. Uh, have you worked with uh, and been at conferences with Matthew Leonard and Kathleen Beckman before? Uh, what can you say about them, if, if, if anything, and just maybe in, you know, what encouragement would you give for uh, folks to sign up and come out uh, on the, the 24th and 25th to St. Mark's in, in Plano? Well, the Fullness of Truth organization is it's a really solid organization. They, they've been putting on conferences for many, many years now, um, and both of the both of the other speakers are going to be solid. Uh, they're going to be helpful, and they have a lot of experience. So I I really think and and I've been at these conferences with Fullness of Truth on a similar topic in the past. They're very well attended. The feedback's been very good. Um, so I'm not toot my own horn, but uh, the other speakers are certainly they're going to be excellent and solid, and you're going to get lots of uh, lots of detail and hopefully useful practical information. Yeah, well, thank you. Looking forward to it. Uh, and I think we're, we're going to be out doing a, a live broadcast uh, on that Friday before the event starts. I'll be out there myself, and I don't know if, if you'll be in yet, and I may maybe able to have a chance to meet you in person, but uh, the, the tickets are $45 if uh, people... Now, that actually was early bird. That's already passed, so forget about that. General admission is $55.00. And virtual general admission is 55 as well. So I guess you can watch this online as well. Family pass 150, priority seraphim pass 110, youth pass 20, clergy, clergy and religious uh, are free. And again, the website fullnessoftruth.org, fullnessoftruth.org. 
dot uh, org, and um, that's where you can get go more information. Again, it's the spiritual warfare: what every Catholic family should know. St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church, Friday the twenty fourth of June and Saturday the twenty fifth. Uh, Adam, just out of curiosity, are do you do you have children? Um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know much about your personal life. Right? Are you a father? No, um, I was told at the very beginning of getting involved in this, uh, not that I couldn't, it's not a fixed rule, but basically, uh, no wife, no children, no pets. Oh, wow. So th- there's, um, you know, the, the demons can take revenge if somebody is vulnerable. I had that happen with my father. He was spiritually vulnerable at the time. Um, so there's kind of a caution there uh, about how close you get to people. Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, well, Adam, thanks for your time. Uh, I, I just love the, the soberness of your uh, delivery and your attitude towards this, which I think is uh, obviously the, the, you know, the appropriate way to approach something as serious as what you do. Thank you for your work in the church. Uh, Adam Bly, religious demonologist, one of the speakers at the Spiritual Warfare uh, conference uh, June 24th and 25th at St. Mark's uh, in Plano, uh, fullnessoftruth.org, fullnessoftruth.org. Uh, Adam, thanks again. Uh, nice speaking with you. Thank you, Dave. God bless you. And thanks to Diane for running the board. Thank you for listening. If you have suggestions for future interviews, please email me directly, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. If you just experienced damages from the most recent severe weather, you need a professional to guide you through the insurance process. Hi, I'm Mari Buford with Buford Roofing and Construction and a proud member of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please beware of the door-to-door, fast-talking, high-pressure salesman that insists you sign a contract now. Take your time, weigh your options, and let a professional be your guide. We may be reached at our website, BufordRoofing.com, or by phone at 817-329-ROOF. Have you ever thought about working in a ministry focused on populating heaven? The Guadalupe Radio Network has an opening for a director of development. This is a wonderful opportunity to join an apostolate dedicated to spreading the knowledge, love, and practice of the Catholic faith by means of radio. If you are an active, faithful Catholic and would like to explore a career with the GRN, visit the careers page at grnonline.com or send your resume and a cover letter stating why you would like to work for the GRN to careers at grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network offers a competitive salary and a full benefits package. Sherry Van Branken, a longtime area Catholic, invites you to visit her website, catholicpapergoods.com, where you are able to download Catholic greeting cards, coloring pages, educational activities for your family or homeschool, art prints, and more. You can also find items such as ordination cards, sacrament invitations, and many items featuring saints of the Catholic Church. They're all able to be downloaded and printed from your home or other printing service. The website is catholicpapergoods.com for Catholic items for your own domestic church, catholicpapergoods.com. St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church Acts Community in Frisco invites all KATH 910 AM listeners to its third annual golf tournament on Saturday, June 11th. The golf tournament takes place at the Frisco Lakes Golf Club in Frisco. Check-in and breakfast begin at 6.30 AM with a shotgun start at 8 AM. The event includes a fajita lunch and a four-person scramble. All proceeds benefit the Acts Community of St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church. To register, call Sandy at 972-322-4277.
Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.